This podcast is brought to you by Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. This morning, I'm going to just talk about uh, everything going on right now in the world. You know, we got to base everything on science, right? You know what they say? It's all in the science. And so, what does science say we need to survive? So, so, so the first thing science says we need to survive is water. You know, you can only live just a few days without water. And uh, it doesn't matter what else you have. If you don't have any water, you're, you're not going to make it. Science also says that you need air. We have to have air to survive. You know, without air, it's, it's all over. You can have all the water. You can have everything else. But if you don't have air... You also can't survive. The other thing we need is we need some kind of food, some kind of nourishment. Uh, people end up in the, in the hospital and stuff because they couldn't eat. I know that when I was visiting so many people in the hospital here recently, when we had people in the hospital with COVID, they just couldn't eat because nothing tasted good. And so, so many of them hadn't eaten sometimes in a week or two other than just a taste of something and they, they couldn't even swallow some of them because they get it in their mouth and there's no taste and they just couldn't make themselves overcome that. And when they're there, they end up to be so much more in a bad place because they're not eating and it just lets the body kind of feed on itself. The last thing that science says we need is light. You know, if you're in total darkness then you can't survive. There's no survival at all. And so these are all, these are all proven things. You, you can't live without water. You can't live without air. You can't live without food. You can't live without light. All of them have a little bit different time frame, but the reality is there is a time frame on all those, and it's not a long time that you can live without any one of these. And it's a really short time that you can live without none of them. And so the, the question is, does science really follow reality? Does it, does it follow reality? Jesus in uh, John 7, 37 and 38 Jesus says, I am the living water. He says, then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowd, all you thirsty ones, come to me, come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. See, I think it's kind of interesting. Science comes up with these great ideas. But Jesus said, you know what? If you're thirsty, just come to me. 
And, and I'm going to quench that thirst. He was talking to the people. And when you actually go back and read this in context, everybody had all these questions and everybody was pressing in. And, and so many times we're trying to figure out things in life. And Jesus is just saying, you know, just down to one of the basic things. You need water? Come to me if you're thirsty. Come to me if you're struggling. Come to me if you need those answers. Come to me if you need those things quenched in your life where you're dry, where you're parched, where you're not able to experience the fullness. How many of us have been parched? I mean, just spiritually parched, physically parched. How many of us have been parched? And Jesus just makes it so easy. I love here in the in the, in the Passion Translation, because when you actually go back and, and read it in uh, the original Greek, it wasn't something that Jesus was just lightly teaching. It clearly says in there that he shouted to the people. You know, he was trying to get their attention. He was making an, an issue of this. As I've been uh, reading so often here lately, you don't really realize, sometimes we read scripture and we read it, and Jesus said, come to me and drink. But you got to really read it in the context is this is something that he was emphasizing out of everything he was teaching right here in John. When he got to this part, he was shouting, he was screaming at the people. I want you to get this. Because all these questions, all these, all these things in your life that you're struggling with, if you just come to me, if you just let me, I can quench that thirst. I can take away that thirst that you have in your life. And you know what? That thirst can be anything. That thirst can be your struggles. That thirst can be recognition. That thirst can be what's going on in your family. And you have that dry spot of your life. And Jesus is saying, you know what? I can wipe it all out at once. If you're thirsty, you just need to come to me. And we just need to realize and we need to recognize our spiritual thirst. We need to recognize that so many things we're doing, we're doing because we're out seeking God and we're out seeking God without even knowing that we're seeking God. How many of you know that if you're really thirsty, if you drink a soda, it's not going to quench your thirst. If you're drinking coffee, it's not going to quench your thirst. You know what? You really need water. Water is the thing that quenches your thirst. And the other crazy part about that is room temperature water quenches your thirst better than anything else, even though it might not be what people prefer. But when you drink cold water, your body doesn't absorb as much. When you drink hot water, your body doesn't absorb as much. When you're drinking room temperature water, your body absorbs most. I think by Jesus even shouting, one of the problems is, is we're, we're sometimes not even looking for the water. We're just trying to quench our thirst. We're, we're, we're doing our soda in life. We're doing our coffee in life. Or we realize as Christians, this is what we need. But we want to make it cold or we want to make it hot. We want to make it the way we want to take it. You know, Lito isn't here today because they had a, a, a deal with their motorcycle ministry, but I was meeting with Lito, and uh, 
I'm going to have him come and share one time, but two years ago, was it two years ago, right about when he had his stroke? So two years ago, he had a major stroke out of the blue. And he's laying in the hospital, and he, even though he was totally in a coma, even though they thought that his brain wasn't operated, even though they thought all these things, he knew what was going on in the room. And he was having great spiritual experiences. And God was speaking to him. He knew what people were saying around him. But the one thing that, that God really spoke to Leto was, you haven't been following me. And he's having a discussion with God. And what God was telling him is, you didn't come to me. You were running away from everything else. You're not following after me. You're running from other things. And I want you to follow me. I want you to come to me. And he had this whole, he had this whole experience for several days where God was working with him on this. And he realized that his whole Christian walk had all been about coming out of who he was, coming out of what he was going through, coming out of and what ended up happening through that, the way it manifests, the way he brought it to the light was, as he did that, his children weren't allowed to see most of the family. Most of his family were not allowed in their house. Why? Because if they smoked, if they drank, if they cussed, if, if they listened to music they shouldn't listen to, he didn't want them around his family. He... he without even realizing it, he had become so legalistic, he had become a, a, like a Pharisee in hiding. And in that moment, Jesus was saying, you know what, you just need to rest in me. And it was, it's been an interesting time for him, but he's been able to go back and make amends with all kinds of people in the family. And just a week ago, when his daughter's graduation party he was able to meet with more of the family that hadn't been able to be around his children at all for their whole life. And he was just apologizing to him and saying, you know, because God gave him this revelation. And I got to tell you, it's so true. We can't be running from what's going on. We need to be walking into what God has for us. And if we're worried about the past, if we're worried about all these things we're coming out of, and we're not walking into what he has for us today, then you know what? We're really not following him. And I just, I, I love the fact that God literally spoke this to him, and I'm going to have him come and share with his own words, because it goes way deeper than that. But how many of us are trying to quench that thirst <laughs> by all these other things, and then we're trying to go back and recreate the glass or find a different tap or modify the water God wants to give us by making it hot or cold or, you know. I want you to hear what I'm saying, but, you know, are we adding Kool-Aid to it? Are we putting a tea bag in it? Are we adding coffee to it? Are we adding sugar to it? What are we adding to what God's trying to give us when he's trying to give us pure water that's going to change our lives from the inside out? You know, that's one of the things I loved about what Andrew Walmack said, but he said it forever is, you know, 
when the band's singing a song about Jesus, we want more of you, we need more of you, he got up and said, basically, are you guys all idiots? You can't have no more of Jesus than what's available to you. You're just choosing not to take it. There is no more to have. There's only more to accept. And the reality is, if we're not accepting of Jesus, if we're not letting Jesus do the work, and we're trying to work it out, and we're trying to cover it up, and we're trying to direct what he's trying to do in our life, then we're still in control. And he doesn't want us to be in control. He wants to quench our thirst. And right here, he shouted to the crowd, all you thirsty ones, come to me, come to me and drink. And if you believe in me, rivers of living water will flow forth from your innermost being. Church, we make it so complicated when we intermingle ourselves. Number two is in Genesis 2-7, Jesus, God, is the breath of life. In verse 7 it said, And then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of, from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living creature. You see, in the very beginning, God breathed into a man that he just made from the dust of the earth. He just formed him right there out of the dirt and when he breathed, life came into him. We don't have time to go into all the scriptures, but in the New Testament, what did Jesus do? He sent the Holy Spirit to come and to, to put that life fresh and anew, to, to turn back the curse. You know what? Christ in us is the hope of glory. We don't need any more of Jesus. We don't need any more of God. It's all there. You know what? If he's in us, if we are truly, if we believe the scripture and we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, if the spirit of God dwells in us, if the promise that Jesus gave his disciples who walked with him and he said, even though you walked with me, even though you've done all these things, you know what? There's going to be some bad things that are going to happen and yeah, you're all strong now and yeah, you're all saying I'll never leave you. I'm never going to, I'll go anywhere you go. I'll take any punishment you take. But I'm telling you right now is that I want you to go and wait. Because it didn't work out that way. As soon as I left, you all scattered. And you know what? It's the reality for our lives. As soon as God comes in, how many of us when we get saved, we're so excited? We're excited about everything. I mean, we'll preach the gospel to anything that moves or doesn't move. And then as we start living life, we let life encroach and we let life stop everything. You know, the disciples had it good. We say, hey, if we walked with Jesus, we, would, we wouldn't have never done what the disciples did. I want you to realize, I mean, you look at Christianity today, everywhere the disciples went, they healed the sick, they raised the dead, they cast out demons, the, the lepers were cleansed. Everywhere they went was a miraculous day. You know, we've been watching The Chosen and season two, the, the second episode, I was so disappointed. <laughs> 
Because it shows all the disciples hanging out in the camp and they're all talking about when is Jesus going to be through? When are the crowds going to stop coming? And they're talking about what Jesus was doing. And you know what? That isn't the way it was. It wasn't just Jesus out there praying for them. Every one of the disciples were doing the same exact thing for the same exact time. It wasn't the Jesus show and they were carrying the tents and setting up the camp and sitting around and talking about these great things. They were there hands on. They were experiencing it. And you got to realize is they were experiencing all that and everywhere they went, they were doing the same things Jesus was doing. Side by side, they were doing it even when he wasn't there. Even when he went away to pray, the ministry never stopped. The ministry never stopped until the disciples stopped ministering. And he told them, I am going to send you a helper. And when that helper comes upon you, you know what? We can't do it without Holy Spirit. It started in Genesis with the breath of life, God breathing into Adam. And in the new covenant, that helium balloon, so to speak, was reinflated. And you know what? If Christ is in us, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, everywhere we go is holy ground. Everywhere our foot treads, he's given it on to us. Now, that doesn't mean we're stupid, and it doesn't mean you go, you know. If you're an alcoholic, you don't go start hanging out in the bar to preach to all your friends you've been drinking with for the last four years. You know, if you're a drug addict, you don't go over and start preaching to your dealer and, and, and all your friends. You, you can't go back to where you were right away. But I got to tell you, is everywhere you go, God is with you and you can't be living in fear and you can't be listening to that voice. Why? Because we have that breath of God in us. See, he quenches our thirst and he gives us breath. The third one is in John 6.35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Come every day to me and you will never be hungry. Believe in me and you will never be thirsty. I want you to notice something here. John chapter 6 is before John chapter 7 when he was shouting at him. So in John chapter 6, he's telling them, you know what? I am the bread of life. I am everything you need for every area of your life. And he goes on and he's telling them, you know what? Not only am I the bread of life, not only am I your food, but I'm also your drink. I'm going to rehydrate you. So he tells them that. He's explaining this to them. But then immediately he has to go back and he has to shout at the crowd. You know what? He's everything we need. He is the bread of life. He says, if we come to him every day, we're not going to be hungry. And I got to tell you, by not being hungry, I'm just not talking about, and, and he wasn't just talking about food. He wasn't just talking about hunger pains. He's saying, you know what? If you're coming to him every day and you're laying those things down before him, and if you're having that one-on-one -on -one super close friend conversation 
you're not going to be carrying depression. You're, you're, you're not going to be carrying anger. You're not going to be carrying regret. You're not going to be carrying everything you're going through in your life. You're not going to be dragging the old corpse behind you. You know what? It says that when you're born again, the old self has passed away, and behold, all things have become new. But the reality is, is so many times, as soon as we give up, as soon as we die to ourselves, we go back to the graveyard, we dig up the corpse, and we carry it around on our back. <laughs> this is the old me, and this is where I'm at, and I just got to take it with me because I really... This is who I am. This is who I've always been. But he says, all things have become new. And you know what? If we come to him every day, we can live in that place. And it becomes easier and easier and easier the more you do it. Number four, he says, I am the light of the world. Oh, I didn't write down the scripture reference. What does it say up there? John 6. Is it 812? 6-12. He says, Jesus said, I am the light to the world, and those who embrace me will experience life-giving light, and they will never walk in darkness. Jesus is the light of the world, and you never have to walk in darkness. Never. You don't have to go back to darkness. And don't let the darkness encroach because you know what? The only way the darkness can take over is if you turn off the light. Because it doesn't matter <laughs> if you only have a matchstick of light. If you only have one little paper match, it lights up all the darkness. But you know what? God doesn't want us to walk around with a match. He doesn't even want us to walk around with a candle. He wants us to walk around with one of those poaching hunting beams that's like this big and that shines all the way, that lights up the darkness like daylight, like those lights above empowered field. You know, when they turn it on, the darkness is gone in that whole entire stadium. And you know what? That's the kind of light he wants us to shine from us. So when we go places, the darkness can't even encroach. When we go places, the enemy doesn't even have a way to come in. Why? Because the enemy's darkness. We need to be walking in the light. We need to be doing what he's called us to do. And I got to tell you is, if we're talking to him every day, if we're listening to him every day, and I just, this whole prayer thing of just talking, talking, talking doesn't work. You need to be listening, listening, listening. But then there's a whole other step. You need to be doing, doing, doing. You can't just listen. You have to do something with what you've heard. God's never going to give us more if we're not doing something with what he's already given us. You know, when things get tough, we need to get going. When, when things press in on us, if God's already said something, we're saying, but God, this is what I want to do. If you're not doing what he has before you, then he's never going to give you more to do. 
another conference, another book, another prophetic word over your life isn't going to change anything if you haven't done anything with the five he's given you before or the 10 or the 50. What are you doing with what God's already given you? What are you doing with what's already going on in your life? That's the big question. Yes, it's your time. You know what, as I was just reading through these, you've got to realize science is completely right. Because what science is really teaching us is that we all need Jesus. Science is teaching us that we all need God. Science is teaching us that the very elements that they can prove make up our life, that Jesus became all of those elements. What are we going to do with our lives? What, what are we going to do with what he has for us? You know, I got to tell you, church, God's calling us to step out. God's calling us to step up. It's not by happenstance that this young man comes to church today. It's by divine providence. Why? Because there's light, because there's hope, because there, there's joy, there's peace, there's understanding, there's reconciliation, there, there's love, there's grace, there's mercy that is just flowing from the throne of God for each and every one of us. And our job is to be sharing that with others around us. Our job is to be the light of the world. Our job is to be letting that living water flow out of us. How many times are we always saying, bless me, bless me, bless me? I, I learned when I very first got saved, somebody was teaching one day in an intercessory prayer group. <laughs> And they said, so many people are just standing there and they're saying, God, fill me. And the water's just bubbling out of their head and the water's just coming out and Holy Spirit's just falling on the ground and they're just sitting there and they're basking or they're laying in the presence. And he says, that's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to take a 90 degree elbow, put it in us. And the more he pours in, the more it sprays on everybody around us. That it should never be just sitting in us. We should not be a container but we should actually be a disperser. For too long, the church has been a bless me club where we just want people to come and be blessed and experienced and get touched and, and look to others. But you know what? God is calling each and every one of us, not just leaders, not just pastors, not just certain people. He's calling each and every one of us that are blessed to be a blessing to those around us. And the beautiful part is it's all different. Each and every one of us have something in our life where we can be a blessing to others. And we need to be doing what God's called us to do to be that blessing. I just want everybody to stand where you're at.
just want you to close your eyes for a minute and I don't want you to pray. I don't want you to speak in tongues. I don't want you to be worrying about what's going on around you. I don't want you to worry about what's going to happen. I just want you to stop and listen to what God has to say to you individually today. Lord, I just pray right now you would open each and every one of our ears, Lord, that we'd be able to hear what the Spirit is saying right now. Lord, we just want to stand here before you. We want to bask in your presence. But Lord, we want to hear you speak to us. We want to hear your loving, kind voice.